When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb. I'm Rich Levine. We are talking on Thursday afternoon. The Celtics have one game left tonight versus the Raptors before heading off on a mini all-star break. More importantly for our purposes, we're three weeks from the trade deadline. Today, Sham Sharani reports the Celtics have expressed interest in both Jeremy Grant and Nick Vucevic. We'll consider those two and more. But first, B-Rob, Let's give a little love to Kemba Walker. Uh, I don't think we were the only ones in uh, Celtics in the Celtics world who've been kind of hard on Kemba for the last month or so. Uh, last three games, all Celtics wins. He's averaging 26 points, more than six assists a game, shooting 45% from three, only five combined turnovers, playing 33 minutes a night, and doesn't look any worse for the wear uh, so far. So I'm going to welcome back. <laughs> welcome what back, Kemba. We'll, we'll, see, we'll, see, we'll see how long it lasts. But it's it, it at least we're gonna get a we're gonna get a glimpse of the old Kemba for a little bit. Yeah, I mean this is the the bet the Celtics are making with the what's the best case scenario for the team is Kemba Walker finds his groove again, and it was a bit hairy out of the gate for those first ten and fifteen games, which I think would have been um, the issues would have been a little bit below the surface or he would have gotten a little more leeway, but the problem was the team like started falling on its face too, as he was coming back. And he wasn't the direct cause of that, but he was certainly a contributing factor in that equation. And now, yeah, you see the, he's clearly putting the work in and, you know, day in, day out, you just talk to people around the organization in terms of getting, maintaining that knee strength level where he wants it to be. And instead of the, you know, one scoring night off every week. We're seeing it once every two or three weeks and we're seeing, you know, three or four straight games of 20 plus point performances. And yeah, I mean, is, is he completely back? No, we, we I think we still have to see what he looks like for another month here. Um, but at, at the least, same, yeah. right. At, at the minimum, but I mean, it's closer to what I think the Celtics thought they were signing up for in the first place. Yeah, and and listen, they they really needed it. They needed him to come back when he did because we know we know Tatum's been struggling uh, post COVID. We know Jalen's struggling uh, a bit with his knee right now. Uh, these last three wins, I mean, that, there were moments. I mean, Tatum was obviously great, you know, towards the end of the the Washington game. Um, but generally speaking, if it wasn't for Kemba playing like the old Kemba, they might have been losers of of three straight instead of. When I mean, and it would, it would have been more than three because they lost before that. Um, but we're not talking about a three-game win streak. We're not talking about a chance for them to go into the All-Star break. Assuming we don't want to assume because this is the NBA, this is the Celtics, anything can happen. But Toronto is not looking in prime condition coming into uh, tonight's game on the second half of a back-to-back with most of their guys and coaches out uh, due to the league protocol. Um, they have a chance to go into the All-Star break two games up uh, over 500. You know, clearly in the fourth spot, I mean, a ways away from the top three teams in the league. But there is a chance to sort of go into this break on a really good note, winning four straight. And yeah, and, and Kemba will be a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, the record isn't 
what I think anyone would wanted to be, but being the four C in the East, I think most people around the organization would have taken that at the, the halfway point, given the fact that they haven't replaced Hayward with Kemba missing a huge chunk of games and, you know, the, all the other pieces that have and have not been able to step up to the plate and maximize the roles. So things are coming clear. We won't talk too much about tonight, but it is something where given the, the roller coaster ride, the first half has been, they still are in a position to do what they want with this season if they want to invest in it. And I think they're, we're still going to see signs first and foremost of Kemba here that this season is worth investing in if he is, can maintain this level of consistency. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, again, like you can't, there's no argument to me to be made that they are any better than the fourth team in the Eastern conference right now. I mean, it is clear on paper and how it's played out in the court, Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee are at least a step or two ahead of the Celtics. And we're going to get to going to get to what they can do to potentially join that, that crew real quick. Let's, let's get this read in uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, football might be over, but NBA college hoops and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up. Receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, bet online, your online sports book experts. Uh, all right, so let's get to what people want to hear: uh, trade rumors, shams, and again, it, it, this is the time of year, right? You take everything you hear uh, at face value, but shams is. I don't know. He, he, I wouldn't say he's one of those guys that you, he puts out a rumor just for the hell of it. There's usually some substance behind it. I'd agree Am I wrong? That. No, I agree with that. You want to spit any hate on Shams? I'm giving you no, the opportunity. I've got, I've got, I mean, there's, I, everything that he reported today makes sense in the big picture. And we can go through those kind of like step-by-step step here. But yeah, like this is, I think you're looking at Woj and you're looking at Shams as two of the top newsbreakers in the NBA for a reason. And yeah, they don't they don't have a hundred percent sex success rate with their rumors, but at the same time, like who does? They're they're probably better than most other reporters out there. Well, and listen, all they said is they expressed interest, right? Right. We're the ones making a big deal out of it and and and, yeah. and making it a reality. All he's saying, I I think, is that maybe Danny picked up the phone, called Detroit, called Orlando, and said, "Hey guys, what do you think about Jeremy Grant? What do you think about Nick Nick Vucevic?" Right. Um, and I, I, I personally, I don't, the, you know, and I know the um, Pistons beat writer for the athletic uh, James Edwards came out afterwards after that report. And was just like, listen, they're, they're, Detroit is not trading Jeremy Grant. And, and that makes sense. Like, here's a guy, I don't know if, if you've heard this story, but like he basically came out and said, like, I left Denver to go to Detroit, not only to be the man, but I wanted to play for a black head coach in a predominantly black city. Um, and I don't think if you're an organization like the Pistons, you can take a a move like that and then flip him to Boston, right? Of all, of, of all the places, right? I mean, it's like you order vegetarian and they give you, you know, a rare ribeye. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't think that would be a good look for uh, for the Pistons to do that. I don't know why they would want to get rid of someone who is saying I want to be a Detroit Piston right now, given the state of that organization. Um, that said, Celtics could use someone like Jeremy Grant. Yes, and 
and it's their responsibility to inquire on players like Jeremy Grant, which is why they, like you said, probably made that call. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said in terms of his availability. Um, you just beginning of a three-year deal. He's young enough where he can be kind of part of the future there. Um, they obviously have a long rebuild of coming ahead. They're going to be big time sellers. So yeah, like, is he good enough to be like, we're not trading him no matter what? No, but is it going to be anything the Celtics are willing to give up in terms of what it would probably take to, to Detroit to really, you know, take a, a tough look from a, you know, a free agency appeal and listen from a PR standpoint from moving a guy who's openly maybe one of five guys in the league who is stated as anyone in the last five years, been like, yeah, Detroit is somewhere I want to be, which I was is, just going to say five, five seems five, like, a, like a high estimate. <laughs> right. So based off of that, like, yeah, this is, this is something where, yeah, this is the type of player that others are looking at, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Grant is not a name that you can circle on your list and be hoping about. Yeah, I mean, I guess, again, everyone's got a price. You imagine that there's something that maybe that could be offered for him that the Pistons might want to move him, but I don't think the Celtics have that. Yeah, be I would, if you're throwing three unprotected first-round picks and, like, Lankford, Rob William, pretty much, like, anything good in your young core that they want, yeah, maybe they'll listen to that. But even that, they're probably like, we're not doing it unless we get all that plus like smart and something else. And then that comes to a point where what are you doing? Like the Celtics aren't going to do that. Would you, would you, and again, assuming that he is available, would you even give up? Would you give up Rob Williams for, for Jeremy Grant? For Jeremy Grant? Yeah, I would <laughs> absolutely you would. do that. Oh yeah. I mean, Rob Williams is becoming an appealing or becoming more appealing. I feel like around the league as we see more of his breakout here, but yeah, in terms of who's going to help you more. I mean, with even when you, it, it comes down to obviously how much more on top of Rob Williams you'd have to put in, in terms of multiple picks, multiple players. But I wouldn't like Rob Williams to me is not like a someone I'm not willing to move for the right piece at the trade deadline in terms of knowing that you're going to have to put a lot more with him to make any kind of major deal. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that there are, uh, I think that there are more Jeremy Grants than there are Rob Williams in the NBA. Um, yeah, I think you could. Uh, I mean, from what standpoint? From just the upside potential, or what? No, they can just do just right the now? way he affects games. I, you know, I just I, and I, I don't think I think Jeremy Grant's more than the three and D guy. Clearly, he's averaging what twenty three points a game. I mean, doesn't do much rebounding. Uh, not a great playmaker. Is what? What's he shooting from three this year? Like thirty. Five percent. I think I had it written down here. I definitely did. Thirty-six um, percent from three. Uh, a really good foul shooter. So maybe he can get he can get a little bit better there. You know, six nine seven two wingspan. Wingspan. You can play some defense. But I don't know. I mean, the, what we've seen, and we talked about how Kemba has has changed the Celtics' fortunes in the last week or so. I think you can argue just as much that that what Rob Williams has done when he's come into the game, just whether whether it's his presence at the rim on both sides, you know, his his improved passing, just his athleticism for his size. Um, I don't know. I just think that there are a lot that there are more athletic wings in the NBA than there are like crazy game changer. Uh, I don't know. It's weird calling him a big because he's not a classic center, Rob. But I just think the way he he changes the game, there aren't many guys who can do that in the NBA. Yeah, and so I think that's something where, I mean, 
to go to a sidebar on Rob Williams right now, do you see his minutes? Do you think that they've been keeping his minutes down at least like partially? I mean, we know the hip issue is what it is, but like also to kind of try to keep him under wraps in terms of around the league or slash I, when they get a contract extension negotiations this at the end of this year, like, all right, let's not like, cause if we play him 25 minutes a game now, he's going to pull up ridiculous stats and then we're going to have no chance of, you know, signing him to a good deal. I, I hope that's not the case. Um, I mean, I'm looking at, and again, I mean, Brad came out recently and said that he, he imagines the minutes will, will continue to increase. And we don't, again, we don't know too much about like the specifics on that hip injury. Like we don't, right. Like we, we yeah. know that it, that it keeps popping up now and now and then again, but like uh, in terms of like what, what's actually going on and, you know, again, how, how many, how many games did he miss for it recently? It was just two, only a couple. Right? Yeah. So not yeah, a, he missed, he missed a, not even a week. He, he played his last game on February 9th and then was back on Valentine's on Valentine's day. So he only missed about a week. Um, but yeah, I, I, it just seems like they're taking it easy with him. And again, you have right at the at the moment they have the extra big, right? You have the through the three headed centers right now. And 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 if the Celtics are going to make a move, I think it's more likely that it's it's either Tice or, or Tristan that, that that does get moved in one of these deals, and maybe that will allow for for to you know open the door a little bit more for Rob as as his hip continues to get into shape. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they're trying to keep him under wraps. I think I think maybe what they've seen at, at times is when they do like give him a, a, a longer leash or get him out there more, some of his maybe bad habits start to trail right. back as he's out, and when, when it's not just like a quick spurt of uh, of gameplay that he can't really sustain it. But again, I'm I'm of the mind that the only way you're gonna he's gonna do that or get better is by learning on the job and having playing more minutes and making those mistakes and not being pulled out when it happens. But you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. So that's, it will be an interesting thing in terms of, because when you look at what has trade value on the roster right now, beyond the, the core pieces, he's probably, I'd imagine at the top of the list alongside like, you know, Pritchard at this point. And then, you know, you have, I think like Langford and Neesmith are like the, the mystery box um, right. that the I team likes a lot, but like, but in terms of what their value is around the league, it's obviously can't be that much right now because they neither of them has been able to do much yeah he is, he is by no means there yet but i think rob is becoming the closest thing that danny has to like that al jefferson piece you know he's not right. he, he's not he's not there he of course he's interesting <laughs> to to an actual young player who is consistently performing on the nba stage that another gm could look at and be like oh maybe this is a guy that we want to have in our long-term plans and maybe we'll be able to give up we'll be willing to give up a little bit more in order to get him uh, I would hate to see it. And again, I don't, I don't know if I would do it for Jeremy Grant. I don't think that matters because I don't think Jeremy Grant's coming to Boston. But on the other hand, Nick Vucevic. Yeah. So this that, is this is a more interesting question to me in terms of just him and him as a player and him in the big picture on this team. Like what? Because that's that's your last big swing. If you're Danny, if you make that move, so is is Vucevic, Brown, Tatum, and whoever's left over at a Kemba or smart at the, if you make a deal like that, like, is that, is that your, is that good enough to get you where you want to go? Yeah. So real quick on, on, on Vucevic, uh, almost 25 points, 12 rebounds so far this year, over 40% from three and a high volume shooter as well. 85% from the line. 
Uh, I found this stat in an old NBA.com article from last year. Uh, in, in, in 2019, 2020, became the first center since turnovers were an official stat in 1977, in 1977 to average at least 19 points and three assists while turning the ball over fewer than 1.5 times per game. Uh, only the third player ever at any position to accomplish this. Accomplish this. The other two are Jimmy Butler and uh, Tobias Harris, who also did it last year. Also a declining deal. So he's 24 this year. 22 uh the season after that uh no it drops to 24 next season and 22 million the season after that um and again he's just he's just solid he's he's he is he's a little bit of what al horford brought to the table i think uh in in, in the best ways maybe not as much defensively but in terms of the role he can play in an offense and he's just doing it at at the highest level right now for a really bad orlando team and so it's from i mean and we've talked to Mike about this um, earlier in the year at the end of the year and how, you know, he had written a, a good story of SI and how committed the front office was uh, in, in Orlando down there to kind of keeping that core. Um, but at the same time, Vucevic is, is 30 and the most of the rest of that, their core is not even close to that in age. So on the one hand, like while Grant, I think, there's a 99.9% chance he's not going anywhere. Vucevic is like a realistic player that could be on the move. And because they would be moving him here probably at his peak value for a couple years left on the deal. He's an all-star this year. And you maybe get, you're able to shed some maybe bad money you want to as part of that deal as well for them and find guys that are more in line with um, your Jonathan Isaacs and your, your Fultz's and your Cole Anthony's of the road. If they really want to, I don't know if they want to go, you know, into that direction, but for the, the long-term trajectory of the franchise, that must probably makes the most sense. It really opens the gates for Mo, for Mo Bamba to, to Mo Bamba and that too. Over can, <laughs> can officially begin. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like you talk about the young core, but like, unless you're going to contend for a title in the next two to three seasons, uh, which we don't think Orlando is going to do, now is the time to to move to move Vooch. And, and again, it's it's tough if you're when you're in a situation. Well, I guess not as much because you're not worried as much about fans coming to to see you th- this year. Right. I'm saying you know tra- trading trading your 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 all star on a team that really doesn't have much else to offer at the moment with everyone else injured isn't typically the best idea. But if ever there were a season where you can probably get away with it a little bit more, maybe it's now. Right. And so the the complicating part here for the Celtics is the money and not to go too far down the road, but essentially Vucevic making $26 million. You can take that into the trade exception, but you have to dump essentially $7 million either in this deal or a different deal off your payroll to be able to take that in. When you're the Celtics and you're looking at some bad money, like you've got a lot of money locked up um, next year between Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Smart. So I guess my question for you, Rich, is like, if Vucevic is coming in, one of those guys is going out, um, to say at least that we know it's not Tatum and Brown. So are you, like, wanting to ride Kemba and Smart? Or would the upgrade to Vucevic over one of those guys, um, if it's Smart, obviously you're going to give up a lot more, on top of it, um, be good enough for you to, to pull the trigger on, on this kind of a, a move. So 
Would I would I trade Kemba for Vucevic and a lot of other stuff for Kem- with Kemba? Uh, yes, I would. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. Right before we started recording, someone texted me and asked me if I would if I would trade Kemba for Porzingis, and I said yes on that one as well. I think um, again. Oh, where, where's hold on? Let me bring up this stat real quick. I don't know if you just saw. I mean, a friend of mine sent it from Instagram, so I can't. I can, I'm not. I haven't verified this yet. Yeah, but. The Celtics have the tallest player in the NBA. We know this taco fall and still have the shortest average height in the league. Mm. That sounds right. I mean, that I, that's outrageous. Um, so yes, they are undersized at just about every position except for wing, except for, for, for you know, Jalen and, and Jason are just about right. But everywhere else you look, they are undersized. Needs some size. Vucevic does that. Porzingis does that. I mean, his, his body is probably potentially worse than Kemba's. It's a bit of a crapshoot there. But I just I think the Celtics need to get bigger. They need to get tougher. Um, not that Vucevic is necessarily known for his toughness so much, but like, and if if it means parting with Kemba, I think I'm ready to do that. Well, and the problem is Kemba's not Kemba's probably a negative asset right now. So you'd you'd move Kemba to make the money work if you want to like maintain the trade exception. But my guess is Orlando has no interest in taking Kemba as part of this deal. Like you'd have to find a third team for him because they have. Fultz, they have Anthony, and they don't want 30, $35 million on their books. So you either have to give another team draft picks to move Kemba somewhere else, like uh, OKC or something like that, or which is... Okay, Al and Kemba can find Kemba, Right, right. That becomes a... Or by like, but you see Kemba... Play, or you have to move other things. Like you're moving smart, first-round picks, probably like Rob Williams... One of Langford and Neesmith, like really, you know, piling up your meaningful assets along with picks to get a guy that's an all-star in his prime right now. And so the question is like, is that, you know, pulling your assets like that worth it for a guy like Vucevic? Can you break down for me one more time? I know uh, Ryan Bernardoni has mentioned this a few times when he's been on with us. So let's so the Celtics wait let's say that the big deal doesn't come yep so they wait for the offseason to try and use this big TPE yep why is it because does it become so much more difficult then so essentially to work it's two things one the Celtics payroll is going way up this offseason because Tatum's extension kicks in so you have roughly a hundred and I can look this up but like a hundred and $20 $20 million committed to five guys um, right out of the gate. On top of that, the salary cap is not going up much because of the pandemic. So, and then, so you look at those two factors with the CBA rules that say in order to do a sign and trade, in order to take a player back, you can't go over the hard cap at the end of the deal. You just can't be over it. So if the Celtics are already at $120 million between at like five guys and they want to bring in a $25 million guy for the trade exception, you're already over the hard cap. And that's before looking at the rest of the roster, like eight or 10 other guys. So So, you, if you want to do that, conceivably could work, but what, when they say they're doing that, they want to do that. What they're really saying is Kemba or smart are going to be bye-bye if that happens. Cause that's the only way the math works. Okay. So with someone like Vucevic, it'd be, you know, it could still be easier to do the off season. Like the structure of the OB saying, but you wouldn't have to deal with those apron rules because he's signed. It wouldn't be a sign and trade. 
Um, so that can make sense if they want to just do a normal deal in the offseason for like a him or a Barnes or whatever. But then, then you're throwing away this. Right, season. you're th- exactly. Then you're throwing away this season. So that's when it's it's not an easy choice, um, and it's it's obviously going to come down to price and a lot of other factors. But things get very complicated if you wait till the offseason, and you probably are going. Not only do you lose, you know, making a more serious run in the present, you're by committing to using the exception, you're putting guys you like at risk of just having to to move them no matter what. Right. And like you say, given just the state of everything, this seems to be this TP and, and maybe Kemba, who knows, but this TP especially is Danny's really last big chance for a while to, to make an impact, a really impactful move that right. will change the course of this franchise and maybe sort of, you know, d- define the, the Jays era. Correct. You know, short of, you're not making an impactful move without assuming you're not moving. Like the only other thing you could do is like, yeah, maybe you're moving Jalen Brown for like Bradley Bill at some point. If like you think that's the best move for your franchise, but even that, I think they would, you know, I think there's a very legitimate case that you're better off with Jalen Brown over Bradley Bill for the long term. So, but short of something like that, there's only the traded TPE. Like this is that, this is it. Like this is a swing. This is why you're hearing names like this in terms of what, the kind of guys they want to go for. Cause they know, you know, if you, you split up between two or three guys that don't nudge the needle, then you've not wasted it, but you, you have no way to kind of your next move is not clear. Yeah. And then what, at what point does Jason Tatum say, Hey, I, I actually want to go play wherever Beal's playing. Right. So you have to, you certainly have to take a temperature on, on that whenever Beal decides he's done in Washington, which I assume is not going to be during the season. Um, that's an offseason conversation. So again, you have to debate between going for it now, like taking your best step forward now to say like, if this is what we're, you know, gives us our best chance in the present and prove to everyone on the team that this is our best path going forward. Or do you try to keep your options open as much as possible and not punt on this season, but like figure that this isn't going to be, you know, the, the time to make the your most serious run because it might hurt you more long-term. Okay. And then as we start to wind this down, I think, you know, we, we talked about Grant, probably not Vucevic, maybe more likely who are some of the other, who's like the next level down some names there. I mean, cause the King, I mean, the Kings are, are yeah, look at the Kings roster. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're starting to fall apart too. I mean, they're still sort of, I, they could maybe make a run at, at the, uh, the play in situation, but like they're closer to being down with the, the, the wolves and the Pistons is among the worst teams in the leagues. So Harrison Barnes, I think it's still got to be a target, right? Checks off all the boxes for me. Yep. And Sham, Shams also brought up, uh, Elitza today. Um, they're six foot 10, sharpshooting big man who can't guard really anyone on the perimeter, but would Belitza, be, I'm glad you said it first. Cause I, yeah, Belitza, I think it's, I'm going to go Felitza. I think that that's okay. what we're going to roll from them. I know we've going down that um, road is a dangerous one for us in, in this pod, but that's, that's, that's the second tier down in terms of being like, okay, we're not like, cause that's a move you can make. You don't even have to use a trade exception for that move. You can just match. He only makes $7 million. So you can match that salary pretty easily with a couple guys at the end of the bench and you throw in a second round pick or two. And then, you know, not necessarily, I don't necessarily know how much of a 
you know, fit he is. Cause it's like, all right, he's a guy who likes, you know, you probably play him at center a lot. Like you're already too crowded at center. So that only makes sense to me if you're making subsequent moves of moving Tice or moving Thompson or something like that. Um, and you just need that shooting. Um, but beyond that, like that's the next tier down in terms of like, okay, we have some, we have some pretty big holes on this team that we can put a, a bandit on it and maybe keep this guy for decent money, you know, for sh- short money, long-term while still maintaining our options with that big TEP, P, you know, into the off season. What about Bertans? I mean, we talked about him obviously a slow start this year, but he's killing it lately. I mean, I, I think if you're going to make a move for Belitza, like he is, he is Bertans light, light, light. Yes. Yeah. Bertans. The problem with him for me is the five-year deal. Like, he got paid and I know he's been better lately, but like, I just don't, I think that's too like paying a guy, you know, $18 million a year for the next five years. I don't know if this team can afford that. Like I'd rather spend that money in better places on the roster than uh, a sharpshooter that, you know, you can't really trust to guard anyone. So if he was making less money, I'd be much more be like, yeah, get him. He's probably available but when he's making 16, 17, 16 for all the way through 25, uh, 2025, 20, like that for me is probably going to be a little too cost prohibitive. And probably honestly why they never pulled the trigger on him last year, even though that obviously uh, hurt them in the uh, in the short term in that in that postseason run. And then how about I, the, the Rockets and the Cavs are, are two other teams that seem to be have have some guys that could help. And they're, you know, Houston, that someone said that, uh, Gordon Eric Gordon is potentially available. I think like house maybe yep. uh, can be had Tucker, obviously Tucker. Um, yeah. Who do you like? Do you like anyone out of that? Like, I mean, Tucker makes sense. He's having a pretty terrible year, but you just wonder if he's checked out down there and just trying yeah. to preserve energy. So I, I put, I put PJ and JJ Reddick sort of in the same category. And, and said, like, I wish it happened two or three years ago. Like, I mean, PJ Tucker is going to be 36 this year. Yeah. Um, he's getting up there. So again, like maybe he's a little bit checked out, but like at that age, how long can you check out and, and bring it back? And again, we, we talk about the Celtics team that is, uh, woefully undersized and bringing in like a super undersized, uh, four. I don't know if that, knows. I grant you, we know he plays a lot bigger and, and all that, but I don't know if that's really, uh, the cure for what ails you at the moment, uh, all things considered. Um, I mean, House is a bit of a slasher. I know he he was sort of a, a bit of a headache in the uh, in the bubble <laughs> in the bubble last year. Well, we I think keep, keep him away from the Celtics uh, COVID testers. But um, but yeah, and, and Gordon too. I mean, when Gordon when Gordon stays healthy and like the, the, even the times now when 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 other guys are out, like if Wall's out and they sort of give him the keys to the offense, like he could put up numbers. You know, how, how will he exist? You know, within the fr- framework with the Jays and all that. Like, if you can get him for cheap, like that's a guy who can shoot and, and, and can score. So. So, so that would be nice. And then, you know, Cleveland, well, you got Nance. So I think we, we all agree would be a nice fit. Um, Sounds like they really like, like it'd be, that's another, it's not a Jeremy Grant situation, but um, you know, he's got a lot of roots in Cleveland. I imagine you're going to have to pay through the nose to get him um, given how little they have going on there uh, in their front court for like the long yeah. term. I'm not paying through the, mo- through the nose for, for, for Nance. Right. I, would, right. I would, I would enjoy having him on the roster, but you know, I, I don't know how much. And then, and then who else? Uh... So here's two like underwhelming wings for you. 
Atu, so Torian Prince, you, I think we've talked about him before. I was just looking like, at that name. So that's, he's definitely going to be available because he's got a year left on his deal and makes a little bit too much. So he's probably a neutral to a little bit net negative asset after signing a big extension for the Brooklyn with the Nets that didn't pan out. So um, certainly not going to cost you much to get him. The question is, is he going to, you know, be the guy that people thought he could be when he was a, a lottery pick a few years ago or just, uh an underwhelming you know three four off the bench definitely have a have a chip on his shoulder if you if you ever face the nets in the in the playoffs right but um but yeah yeah he's he's shooting over 40 percent from three since since he uh, landed in cleveland only 17 games but you know for a guy who shot who, who has seasons in the league or, or stretches where he was at 38 39 percent uh so i don't think it's an aberration that he's that he's around 40 you know that can help and i know you know, you guys and you and Ryan were sort of were, were down on his on his defense. You know, he looks like a guy who should who should be able to play defense, just his length and and, and athleticism and and uh, and sure, just his reputation. Even in college, you know, you figured he was a guy who could do that, but maybe that you say that's not necessarily the case, right? No, like it's it just hasn't passed the eye test, and why probably Brooklyn like gave up on him so quickly after signing to that deal. Um, He's 26 now, so you it's like you're kind of in that weird spot where you're like, all right, well, like how much are you gonna wait on him to, to come around this front? So it's for like for a guy like that, I think that's a situation where the Celtics are like, that's a situation where you punt on using the exception because you like, yeah, you could get that guy for free, but then half your trade exception is like gone because his money eats that up, and then it's like, well, what did like that's you really didn't take a swing. You like put down a bunt. With, yeah, what's you, his because uh, I have the they have a canter exception too, right? For like four million. Yeah, so he makes like I think eleven. So that's the problem. Like you, you can maybe I mean you could. He makes, he makes fourteen million dollars. Yeah, and then fifteen next year. Right. Okay. So that's yeah. You're definitely. I mean, maybe you say for, hey, good, good for by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like you take him. Yeah, I would take him if you give Larry Nance as part of the deal. Um, but as a, on its own, you de- that's something that the Celtics will probably be looking aiming far higher than that. And same with like someone like um, Osman. Um, yeah. Was that, was that the other? Yeah. So that's the other wing. I was wing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, those are wings where it's like, okay, who are you getting better with like Langford when he's healthy or these guys? And you hope it's Langford. And so you hope that's why you don't need to like, you know, bring a guy like this in the roster. You want to bring a guy that can, if you're going to bring a guy you can on for that type of money, you want it to be a guy you can trust. Are we getting close? Do you think that that post all-star break, you might see, I mean, granted, all-star breaks like three days this year, but like, do you think there, you might see Romeo back or what? That's a, that's a talk right now. I mean, Tice talked to us earlier this week and said he's getting close. And so I would imagine they're going to have a full few full days of practice during the all-star break itself. So that should help both him and smart. I think, you know, get the reps that they want to feel okay about getting on the floor again. But yeah, I mean, this is, it's gonna be pretty important. And then, I mean, I don't know, like when you look at the all-star break right now, like they want to evaluate these guys, but I would guess there's probably a a few trades made during the all-star break. Cause this is probably the one of the few times all year where teams can practice. And so you make a deal this weekend you at least have a few days. Not that it's going to be a deciding factor, but like it probably is adds a little extra push. Be like, okay, you can 
integrate this guy a little bit more this week, but it might come down to the, like the sellers just aren't ready to move yet. And so that things don't happen. Yeah. It's the first time in a couple of years, like three or four years, right. That the, that the all-star game is before the deadline. Right. Yep. I think they, a, had moved it, they had moved it up the last few years. Exactly. It's the COVID COVID special. Any, any, any other names uh, on your list as potential, you know, I, I think some, I forget someone tweeted that that this was all just a smokescreen. The the Vucevic and Grant, yeah, to, uh... like the likelihood of you like the Grant on a one to ten scale is probably you know point point five out of ten. Um, Vucevic, I put at like maybe a two or a three. I have heard rumblings over the years that like Stevens really likes him or likes that type of player. Like, and who and obviously if a guy is putting up twenty five and twelve on yeah. super high efficiency, but that also leads to a big shakeup internally, whether it's this year or next year. So I think that's a pretty, I, I would guess that's a deal for them that might still be there in the off season. So um, there's probably less urgency to pull off something like that now um, in the middle of the season. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who do you think best, best case scenario, what we'll say come playoff time and assuming he stays healthy, what kind of player do you think that Romeo Langford can be? Like, is is there a, a a current player that you could compare him to, like in the way that he might help the Celtics affect uh, affect this team? It's it's so hard to know because it's so hard to know where his offense is at. Like the defensively, I think he could be a very useful wing, which he was for a huge chunk of last year. Like I thought, you know, he was a we Neesmith is more fresh in our mind in terms of hustling and working around, but Lankford was, I thought even more solid with just the fundamentals and like, you know, being able to recover and just making, you know, having kind of sneaky athleticism for recovery blocks and things like that. And so that kind of surprised me out of the gate. And then, but it, it comes down to like, can he hit threes or not? Like, can he, is he confident enough to start creating on his own? Like when, with the second unit, when opportunity arises, um, do you know how many threes he hit last year? I'm going to guess like 15. He was five for 27. Wow. 185. I think Grant stole a lot of the thunder with his, uh, with his tough, t- tough start, but yeah, five, right. f- five of 27 uh, for, for 18.5% from, uh, from three point land. Yeah. So Romeo. it's, and now you're coming off not playing for what, like, six months here and a broken wrist injury like that's that's going to be a tough adjustment period when you know that's the biggest part of your game that is going to be under the microscope out of the gate but they clearly like him a lot and he's been putting in the work um and i think everyone you know from a he's a big part of the the long-term equation here if he you know they obviously got him i think we we talked about, you know, when they drafted him being like, okay, this is probably a long-term fix for, you know, replacement for Hayward. And I don't think anyone thought it was going to be this soon, but you know, that time comes now and he, not that they're going to evaluate him in the two weeks before the trade deadline, but you know, any type of clue they can get right now in terms of what he can be is, is obviously huge when you're making these, these long-term decisions. Speaking of youngsters in the long-term plan, uh, Grant Williams, DNP, CD and uh, five of the last nine games. Uh, what's what's going on there? Is he is he, he hasn't been good? Of... <laughs> he he fouls too much. Like he 
he fouls a ton and it's regressed from his rookie year. Like he's making a ton of threes, but it's been offset by him becoming a foul magnet on defense. And you combine that with the crowded front court with having Thompson in. And obviously Rob, we talked about plenty. And so you can't like, you can only, you certainly can only play one of him and Ojale right now. And Ojale has been better. So Ojale has been getting those minutes. You think that's a guy that they, they would they hesitate to to throw Grant into a, a deal if they? I feel like Ojale and Grant are redundant at this point, and so I, I think they, that's the guy you probably are more comfortable moving out of any of your your recent draft picks. I would think he has more of like I don't know what type of value he has right now, to be honest. So that might be a situation where, you know when you do make a big move, that's a guy who can maybe come, come back and play more five next year when there's the opportunities there. So you, if you move other parts of the front court, um, I don't know, like do you, what's your, do you like him long-term? Do you think this is just like, you know, a sophomore slump or whatever, or is this something where he has limitations and we're seeing them and you know, this is, it is what it is when he made that pick. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you, Ideally, if, if you're talking about the Celtics as a potential championship con- contender, I think Grant Williams is like your seventh or eighth guy. I think he could maybe be effective in that role. And we saw it and we've saw it like in spurts. I know uh, it's just one game, but that, that performance he had against Golden State uh, during sure. that road during that road trip, you know, 27 minutes, uh, 15 points, two blocks, four rebounds you know, hit, uh, you know, three for three from three and uh, on that West coast swing in, in general, you know, like you said, he is hitting the three. He had, he had, uh, you know, three out of four games, he was three out of three, one out of three, three out of four, you know, two out of six, two out of six is, is whatever, but at least he hit two. Um, you saw a guy that could be a, a bit of a weapon and with the state of today's NBA. And then when you throw in what you, what you expect out of him on defense and just sort of his smarts and the way he approaches the game, but yeah, He's certainly a guy that he doesn't. It's hard for him to go and just make an impact. Like he he needs to. He's gonna get. He's gonna get passes off of double teams or just ball rotation and shit like that. And maybe there are a lot of guys in the league that can do that. Um, but I mean, I I don't think I would hesitate if if some team wants to take a chance on Grant Williams in in terms of a trade. I don't. I, I wouldn't hesitate in moving him. Like you said, there we talked about there being a few more Jeremy Grants and Rob Williams. I think there are a lot of a lot more Grant Williams out there that you can find in a pinch to, to, to fill you like your eighth, ninth man on a, on a really good team. Yeah. There's no question about that. So that, I think that's, if they do make a, a short, you know, a, a less splashy upgrade uh, at the trade deadline, Grant's probably a guy you look at as someone who, whose spot could be in jeopardy if they have to give up some value and don't want to give up, you know, a first round pick or something like that. Um, all right. Well, Three more weeks. The countdown begins or continues, I should say. From from today, right? From today. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there'll be plenty of uh, fresh rumors bursting through the next few weeks, and we'll continue to cover them all and uh, look at maybe a team that's at full strength next week, Rich. Next time we get together, I think they play the the Nets next Thursday, and it could, we'll see if Marcus Smart and Romeo Langford and what should be a fully healthy Celtics lineup for the first time all year is ready to go. So that will be, uh, that'll be interesting to watch. And we just hold our breath, see how long it lasts. (laughs) So that'd be, that'd be good. Two games. (laughs) Um, all right. So hit us up 
at winning plays pod on Twitter, uh, subscribe, rate, review. I hit rich up at rich underscore Levine. I'm at Brian T. Rob, and we will get back with you guys next week.